Hello, everyone. This is Noah. And I'm Simon. And welcome to the Resolve Podcast. We're your resource for all things mental health, academic success, and personal growth. Devoted to helping students thrive and build the resilience to succeed in school and in life. Okay, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming to speak to our students. Pleasure's all mine. Do you like, you know, your name is Charlotte. It says it on your tag, on your profile, but you're also the mind friend. Um, tell us a little bit about how you became the mind friend. <laughs> well, I mean, I wish I set out to become the mind friend. I, um, I think it just began with me wanting to share a bit more about this uh, sort of positive psychology flourishing aspects, um, sides to psychology and in brainstorming a name, I, I think I even used like one of those, there's like, I don't know what you call them, but um, like online tools where you can be like, it's about the mind and it's about this. And then it like comes up with all these possible combinations of things. And eventually I landed on the mind friend and now that's what I am. <laughs> that's amazing. So tell us why those two words go so well together and how they are related to what you're trying to accomplish online. Right. Um, I mean, they go well together because I really think it's it's quite symbolic to imagine yourself as being friends with your own mind, because I think way too many of us aren't. In fact, I would argue that a lot of us are our own worst enemy or our mind is our own worst enemy in terms of how we speak to ourselves and the thoughts that we perpetuate um, in the ways we hold ourselves back. And for me, I've just realized in my work and my general life experience what a difference um, it can make to almost anything in your life, whether your mind is, you know, your friend or not. In fact, I'd say that often, you know, you might have all the uh, external factors in place, but then if your mind is blocking you, you're still not going to do what might, might, might make you more fulfilled or what might help you perform better or whatever all those things are. So I just really believe in this self-compassionate, friendly approach to your own mind. I hope that, you know, my platform can do a small, um, can make a small dent in more people becoming more friendly with their mind. So what, I, I don't mean to get too philosophical, we're going to get more practical, but <laughs> mind, what does that, that mean? Does that include emotions? When you say mind, what what's coming to mind? Ooh, I mean, I love the question um, and don't, don't be afraid to get philosophical. Um, we could talk about this all day, but no, for me, it encompasses definitely also emotions. I think that, you know, we like to think that they're separate, but then again, we often have thoughts about those emotions, right? So even if you were to say, oh no, the mind is just cognitive, then that would still be intertwined. So I think it's anything that makes up your conscious, um, perception of the world, but also your subconscious perception that you might be able to float to the surface. So I think you start with what's conscious because that's obviously the easiest starting point. But then, um, you know, there are many factors that influence us that we're not so aware of, and that can be extremely helpful to gain more awareness on. Um, so I'd say it's both of those things. So it's not strictly cognitive. It could be more of a totality of your experience being, you could say self 
um, in some in some way? Yeah, I would I would say I mean I I would think that I'm very much leaning on the on the side of you know viewing this entire being as a holistic being. So you know also like being really interested in like gut brain axis, for example, right? Like none none of us exists in isolation. So definitely um, perception of self or mind as a broader, not just the brain, but um, maybe also if you have like an idea of a soul or if you have an idea of um, what emotions, where they live in your body, right? Like some people locate their emotions literally in their body. But for me, that all plays the same role, I guess. It's, it's, it's one thing it's, it's unified. So you, you mentioned that in starting this channel, I mean, you have background in psychology. Um, I think you mentioned, can you just clarify for us what type of psychologist you are? And maybe it's different everywhere in terms of the different types of psychologists. So what are you exactly? I'm so glad you asked because um, I think most people always assume clinical psychology as like the only psychology. Yes. It's not true Um, at all. And it's not true at all. Like psychology is such a broad field um, and I, it definitely is different. So I, I studied it or I am from Switzerland, which is then also where I studied. And I think it's different there to, you know, what it takes to become a psychologist versus maybe what it's like in the States or Australia or wherever people are listening from. But I specialize in social and organizational psychology. So meaning I, from the very beginning, I knew I wasn't going to do clinical work. Um, I was much more interested just in, you know, this idea of like, some people are fine, but you know, what do they need to become great? Because there are people who, you know, you just kind of see or know that just seem to be living life to the fullest. And then I, I was more curious in the, that gap versus the gap um, that's traditional clinical psychology, um, you know, taking people who are mentally unhealthy back to mental health. So as you know, but (laughs) absolutely. And we're going to, it's going to cut into the role of positive psychology, but just to push back for a second, for example, um, Martin Seligman, is that his name? The founder of positive psychology. He was a psychologist. Um, There's lots of the Oxford university just came out with a whole positive psychotherapy. Um, You have all, a lot of existential oriented psychotherapies that are positive focused. Positive psychology has infiltrated into psychotherapy and even people that are struggling immensely, their tools and skills there can improve quality of life. They may have to deal with more pathological things going on, but I, why why do you look at positive psychology and all that it has to offer as not aligned with clinical practice? I guess that's not what I would say. It's just more a matter of how the educational system in psychology is set up that you kind of have to make a choice in which direction you're going to go. I think, again, the same way that the mind encompasses multiple things, psycho- like there, there are tools that are used in psychotherapy that would be beneficial for literally every single walking person on this earth, right? Um, and I guess I wouldn't make that distinction, but, you know, as the setup goes, there has been a distinction between quote unquote traditional psychology and then exactly Seligman coming in and kind of saying, we need this other arm to psychology, right? That's not to say that there's not overlap in some of the tools, um, strategies or awarenesses that we build. So you've gone the path you've gone and that's, and that's amazing. And you also are a coach and doing a lot of coaching. Just tell us about, you know, some of the tags you have on your Provo, be friends with your mind, grow your self-awareness, confidence, and impact. The language I'm sure is very intentional and is very positive. 
so tell us on a daily basis when you're supporting people, what you're doing and, and the kind of impact that it can have. Sure. So I think, as you said, it's intentional and it's all very positive. And that's uh, an, an idea that stems mainly from coaching, which is this idea, right, that we're looking where we want to go and not necessarily what we don't want. Um, so being future focused and action oriented. So more less so like, I don't want to feel this way, but more so how do you want to feel? And, you know, most people will have an answer like, I want to be more confident or I want to be more fulfilled. Um, so that's typically just the focus, um, right? Obviously you might encounter negative aspects that you want to also shape and change. Um, but mainly what I would say like the key focus points I work with people on are career shaping and business shaping. So that means people come and say, you know, I'm feeling stuck in my career. I don't know what I want to do. I've kind of like been in this job for 10 years and I've realized I actually don't enjoy it. I want more from life. Um, or I want to start this business, but I want to make sure that it's, you know, driven by my values and impactful. Um, how can we get there? And what often ends up happening is that there's a lack of self-awareness, which is why we build that. Um, and, you know, getting, getting to know your strengths and your values and all these things so that you can use those as drivers and then move into action, which builds your confidence. And then eventually there's the impact. So that's kind of how those three components sit together because I really believe that everyone who steps into a more aligned version of their life um, can amplify their impact essentially. And you know, that positive, people always think impact like this massive life-changing legacy or something like that. But I really, I like, I think that, you know, if you are more happy and fulfilled and you end up smiling at more people, you are making a bigger impact because you never know what that smile, smile means to someone else. So it, it, the frame and context of these meetings that you're having, the work that you're doing, the coaching that you're engaging in is so fruitful in terms of people's openness and desire to make something happen. They're not, they're, they're, they're taking this momentum and they're working with you to identify, clarify, and to make a better world for themselves. And they're very kind of ready to do it. Is, is there, is there like an energy that you, that a lot of people come with you with and you're helping them direct it? So typically there's an energy in the sense of like, they want to change, right? Um, and I guess that is a similar energy that you might get in therapy, but it's usually more out of a, I simply cannot feel this way anymore. Whereas I mean, maybe the energy that comes to me is more so the, I know there's more out there for me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, if, if that if a difference in energy comes across to, to anyone, I guess, listening to this. Um, but yeah, I would say there's definitely, um, usually a vision and a will for change. I, I'm so, and I don't want to get too, too caught up in it, but I'm a psychotherapist and I do a lot of coaching too. And being a rabbi and being engaged in existential discussions all the time, really trying to help people on a deeper core level, identify senses of meaning, strengths. I'm doing this work with people that are struggling with severe mental health that maybe even have been, you know, in hospital situations and are really struggling with, especially for me, OCD, other forms of anxiety. And I find that it's actually a protective factor. And sometimes, mm -hmm. of course, I'm always trying to help people in increase their quality of life and not, you know, not suffer as much. So get rid of by increasing life by getting rid of negative suffering. Um, but there's so much positive that can have come 
from working with people even that are in a in a god forbid debilitating state get the momentum and the energy if they know for example and this is clear you know in existential type um psychotherapies especially through Viktor Frankl for example that quoting Nietzsche that he who has a why can embear and can endure anyhow the deep whys are they not for everybody are they for everybody these deep whys like I, I, maybe I'm doing something differently, but I am, I am, I love this integration of coaching and psychotherapy. I, I sorry that I keep coming back to that, but I just feel like it's a, to, a tools in the toolkit that that you can work together with. Well, I mean, I guess, like I said, I I never mean to or yeah. um, never exclude you know anyone from this work. It's just not what I like who I tend to work with because I'm not a psychotherapist, and because right. I don't have a clinical specialization. But that's again, that that's not to say that. This doesn't apply to anyone. I absolutely agree that I think anyone would benefit from that. And I mean, that's also right. If you consider that, you know, we don't only have one spectrum of like, you're either mentally ill or you're like absolutely flourishing. Like there are so many components that literally, I think any human being, us as meaning making machines um, can benefit from. So um, like to be very clear, like I'm definitely not saying this is only meant for a certain amount of people. It's just where I specialize and who I um, focus the work on and, you know, not I, being a clinical specialization or having a therapy um, background. That's just kind of what, where it's led me. Yeah. I think my, it, I'm going to have to te tease out my insecurity comes up, not insecurity, but sometimes I speak with people, for example, that do um, like I've met a couple of life coaches, different people doing just amazing work with others and really are sort of contemplating their psych, like, should I just integrate psychotherapy as well and get designation? And I'm like, I guess that just comes out as like, wow, you could do so much more, but that's, that's neither here nor there. This is what you're doing. And this is, this is amazing. Um, so let's just take a step back. We're in the student population uh, in particular, and students have a trajectory that they walk where most of them go from preschool to uh, the, the, the words might be different per culture, but school, 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 um, all the way until around the age of 18, there might be some encounters that they have with self-reflection and self-awareness. Maybe they have mentors, maybe they don't. A lot of this isn't taught in the school systems, but you're just expected. There's a script that's been written for you. It's very, very clear that you go to school, you go to school, you go to school, you have little decisions to make between maths and sciences and sort of quasi fields, many people are considering, okay, I'm either going to go to college or university. That's for a lot of people. That's just a script that they've been given. It's all written. It's all put into, into, into the works for them. And there's not a lot of deliberation, decision-making happening. Then all of a sudden it either happens for some people at the end of high school, though, that's more rare. Uh, sometime in university, you realize that, oh, I have to take life into my own hands now. And it can be very scary for people to have to do that for the first time in their life. So what's your work like with that age group? Do you do any work like that? Can we learn a little bit about how we can help those people who are, you know, just a little bit lost, confused, trying to find that next step at such a crucial, crucial stage of independence? This is actually really interesting because I do think there's a bit of a cultural difference um, in terms of how that's how that's set up in the U.S. versus maybe or at least Switzerland, but I think also other parts in Europe where, you know, you might actually work a little bit or work on the side of studying. Like so, for example, I I worked all throughout my degree, um, so I think that's there's 
just a bit of a difference there in terms of the setup. Can you tell us system. about that? Because I think it's very interesting. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, tell us. About what? About working while studying? No, or just, just that you, you, you mentioned, because this might tie into something that I, I want to get to with you. So it's not the, the trajectory students finishing high school. Do they run out to school the next level of school or does that not necessarily pan out that way? So some of them do like there's definitely, um, you know, some of them absolutely go immediately into university and then they study full time and that's all they do. Um, but just the way the system's set up, it allows for a lot more flexibility in terms of, you know, you um, could say, I'm going to work for a year. I'm going to, you know, think about what I really want to do, or I'm going to travel for a year and think about what I really want to do. And then I'm going to do it. Or I might do a degree that allows me to do the degree part-time and gain working experience at the same time. So I, and again, I don't know enough about the system in the US to know if that's possible. It's just, I guess, not something that I imagine in this trajectory that you've been painting. Um, but I think, you know, having some element of like real world practice can be really beneficial. So like, I'm personally very thankful that I got to do that. Um, you know, that's not to say that for anyone who doesn't have that option, it's like, here's what you should do. No, that's not what I mean. But I just meant, I guess maybe, I don't know where exactly your audience is based, but there might be differences in that. But either way, the trajectory, let's say the, the most common trajectory is, you know, yeah, like you said, go to school, finish that, go to college, get your degree, and then, you know, be set for life, like choose your one profession and there you go, right? And then so I think where people struggle is this pressure of finding that one thing that is like, you know, following your passion and also like going to get you enough money and also like, I don't know, be safe or be in the right place or be with the right per person. Like there's so much societal pressure on what that should look like. And I think it's that breaking point where you kind of come out of the security of, oh, I'm still a student. Like, I don't need to have life figured out. Like even when I was a student, I was working part-time. Like I was like, I don't need to have life figured out. Um, but then all of a sudden there's this moment where you're like, now I need to have life figured out. And I think it's just like, I think the biggest thing that people can learn or hopefully remember in that moment is like, no one has life figured out. Like, it's just this idea that I remember very clearly when I was a, a young person, like, you know, looking at adults in like, I don't know, even just like their thirties and thinking like, oh my gosh, they have everything figured out. I'm here to no. tell you, no, they don't. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, it's a process, but, and, and, yeah, I people watch movies, for example, and in movies, there's sort of an arch, which is an archetype that somebody is going on a journey and they are confused at one point. They don't know what's going on. And then they have a moment of clarity and the rest of the world opens up for them. And it's very singular. It's like a one moment. And then it's kind of a happily mm -hmm ever after the movie ends, there's some resolution. Of course, there's many different forms of the movie, but for in particular, I'm thinking of coming of age movies. Um, somebody's gone through a stage of confusion, they're clear, it's 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 go time for the rest. And it, it and it's it's very singularly focused. Um, I wonder if there's if there's a, a difficulty with that approach that first of all, you you're going through one set of confusion and then you clarify it somewhat and then you're done. Um, I don't think that that's realistic. 
I think what you're starting to allude to is a process of discovery um, that maybe you 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 do on a regular basis that you do regularly as opposed to a one-time thing. So tell us about maybe some, and I think you wrote a book about this, a little guidebook about values. Tell us a little bit about the foundation, the foundational stone, I think, of all of this stuff, and then we can work outward for students. So what is the most important things to clarify for oneself if if they are making decisions for the first time and thinking about life on a deeper level? Who am I? What am I? What can I provide? What can I do? How can I be a good person and, and make meaning in the world? Wow, that was so many questions. <laughs> Sorry. I would say I, my first advice to them would be like tackle one, one by one. Like don't ask them all at the same time. But, well, I guess when you're referencing values and something that we hinted on earlier as well, this idea of like, what's the deeper why, right? Like, what is my guiding light? Like, what is my North Star? Um, and again, with I'm going to preface everything that I think we discussed. I agree with your point, which is this isn't a one-time activity. So even when we start talking about values, they can shift and change and adjust throughout your lifetime. So this idea that, you know, you build self-awareness once and then you're done and you just go and implement that's just simply not how it works ever. And there are life circumstances that change there, you know, are life events that happen to you potentially that can shift everything, whether they're big major life events or it's just your natural evolution. So I think all of this is always like a, a regular reflection and readjustment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you say, you say book, I was like, what? I wrote a book, but uh, no, it's really just like a really short workbook with some reflection questions I meant a that guide. I think are quite helpful. A guide. Yeah, I mean, no worries, but, um, and you know, students can download that too if they want to, but it just starts asking, you know, and trying to, rather than saying like, following the script of what's important. So let's say if we follow the script of what's important, maybe that's, you know, I need to find the one and I need to have a job that makes me happy every single day. And then I'm staying in that company for 40 years and whatever, like I need to have the house with the fence and the, you know, the yard. And I guess depending on what culture you were brought up in, that image looks different, but there's a certain image imposed on you of what you should value and what your life should look like, whether it's the car, the house, the, the relationship, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I guess pausing, seeing that image, right? Becoming like, all right, this is the things I want, which is often at, at surface level, you're gonna reach an answer that is quite similar to that societal image. But then going deeper and asking yourself, all right, what do I really want? And why do I want those things, right? And often you'll find that maybe you're not actually that interested in, I don't know, the big banking career that your parents want for you, or I don't know what, whatever. I'm trying to think of like all these images, but whatever that image is, right? Um, and so then you're, you often reach a point of like, oh my gosh, I don't want that. And then it feels really empty. And you're like, what do I do now? Do I want anything at all? And so then going like, yeah, of course there's something that you want there. You just need to open yourself up to the possibility that it's something else than, you know, maybe what you were taught to have to want. Um, so then, you know, that's really a process of reflection. And I think you can do a lot of that for yourself, but I would also like always argue. And I mean, I'm sure you would say the same. There's like immeasurable value in doing this with another person and yeah it can also be beneficial to do this with someone who's close to you simply because they can reflect things back to you but you know obviously also doing it with someone who's objective professional but um looking at the stories in your life looking at when you had you know 
when you experienced a lot of joy, when you experienced a lot of energy, when you uh, admired other people, when you despised other people potentially, right? Like all of just looking at a lot of signals out there to guide towards what's actually important to me. And then from there, you can kind of take all these other steps of like, how could I put that into action in my life? So values are often short words. Um, they're, they're, they're like a... They're like the flash of something big. Um, for example, if someone's looking into getting into a work, uh, a career. So some there are, I, I will say, to the defense of the sort of feeling that there's a singular purpose and that life has, you know, one one plan for you. Some people do feel that way. Some people feel possessed by an idea or a vision. And they're so passionate about that. But even within that, they've got to define what kind of lifestyle that they want to live. How do they want to balance that with family, relationships, spirituality, uh, health? There's so many other factors. But there are people that have a singular singular focus and, and they want to direct all of their attention, love and energy towards that. And other people um, don't feel that way, but more are interested in a holistic lifestyle sense and they could fit in so many different uh, careers. But the values are sort of, um, before goals, because I, as far as I understand from, from the work that you've put together here, values are not the same as goals. So just tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about the relationship between values uh, go and goals and how they work together. Mm -hmm. I think your values are, you know, the foundation, and then you kind of build goals on top of that. And I think that the easiest way to distinguish a goal from a value for me is like a goal is something that has an endpoint. Like you reach it and then you've reached that goal. You can take it off your list and it can be a life goal, right? But eventually there's a finish line. Whereas with values, it's much more about these guiding words or guiding feelings, um, wherever they resonate most with you that underpin multiple goals, for example, or that um, influence the way you have, the way you build your lifestyle, right? Um, so example, um, let's say one of your values is, um, let's say authenticity. You right. can never reach a point where you're like, all right, I've reached that. I'm hundred percent authentic and like, I'm done. Right. But the value authenticity might drive you, let's say to, um, pursue a career where you can have open and honest conversations the way we are having right now, right? <laughs> I don't know. Again, this is, I'm making this up on the spot. So it might not be an ideal example, but, and then maybe one of your goals is, um, well, well, I have a better know, idea. Let's say can you, you are, in this, go for can it. you actually tell us some of the values that have led you to be doing what you're doing right now? Ooh, yeah. Um, so I'll preface this by saying that I think Many people kind of see there's all these value lists floating around on the internet. And I've, I have one in this guide too, because many people just don't know where to start. But I think it's very important that you don't just pluck one off the list and kind of go like, oh yeah, that, that sounds good. Um, so like the, the words that I have for me, they're like, there are multiple things that kind of come under them. But my words or words that have guided me here, I would say are intention freedom, impact. Are you writing these down? No, I'm writing <laughs> my like own. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, I, I need to think about, I want to, because I want to be able to share mine. I want to see if they're aligned. I want to see like, am I on the right path? You know? Um, 
And usually, uh, or a, a really core value for me is appreciation. And so for me, appreciation is like actually one of my like top two. Um, but that holds so much. Like it's like an appreciation in general, like an appreciative um, viewpoint of the world, like more like thinking gratitude and like appreciating beauty in the world, in nature, all these things but also then bringing appreciation to what I do, right? So again, multifaceted in all these words, but those are the words that have brought me where I am at the moment. I love that. I love that. You can really you tell us- remember yours? Well, 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 no, I, st I stopped because I was typing and then I realized I should listen <laughs> first, but you were inspiring me to want to go. Um, I'm I'm guided by a few things and I'm, I'm only thinking about career now and there's so many different other ones but the first one that really resonates with me is freedom I work for myself mm -hmm. I run companies for myself I, I have a private practice freedom to choose lifestyle freedom for so many different things depth I, mm -hmm. I I'm interested in 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 depth and depth doesn't always mean talking about complicated things but it means talking about essential and core uh, core conversations that through a conversation itself, people are thinking in ways that they might not be thinking otherwise. I, I want, yeah. uh, you know, um, create, um, I mentioned, what was the first thing I said? I already forget, but I, I meant freedom, 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 <laughs> freedom, depth, growth. I want to see the direct impact that I am able to have with people. I'm really, I really appreciate one-on-one -on -one and individual relationships. Of course, I do think there's a power to group and we can talk all about the social, positive social elements that I that, that I think is a, is a big part of this. Um, but I really, really do appreciate that growth is, is, a, is a major part of it. And those are some of the things that that are guiding the, the work that I'm in. Um, so in terms this of- This is actually- Yeah, no, you oh, go. Sorry, I was just going to say, this is actually really a great example of how we both just did that because I think- we're actually not dissimilar, but we similar uh, or different words land for us, right? So you use growth, and for you that entails impact. My word was impact. Oh, and for me that has a natural. There's natural growth in that. So, or there's natural growth also in appreciation, for example. Like I like appreciation pulls me towards like being curious and like growing more in the world, right? So this is like perfect because hopefully people will, you know see in in hearing this that it's about finding pillars that are most meaningful for you and that pull you into a direction where um you know you will find more fulfillment and that feels aligned with with you versus let's say standard values that let's say most western societies maybe give you that are achievement um um success uh, maybe the, that maybe that's the same um and let's say what's the third one they could give you wealth maybe um you know like i'd say arguably depending on what society you're very in, outcome oriented like, as well very outcome oriented exactly and you know everything that we know in psychology psychological research is like happiness doesn't actually work that way so yeah it takes. But you were going to ask a question. I interrupted. No, but I, I forget about the questions. It, it takes time. I want to say that for me, we just spent each about two minutes reflecting. Um, two things happen. 
in a reflection. Number one is that if people have not reflected on their life in, a, in an intentional way where they're giving themselves the time to do so, there's almost an excitement and exhilaration that you're actually paying attention to yourself. You pay attention mm -hmm. to so many things in your life, but when you pay attention to yourself and you're actually building as part of your brand here, self-awareness in, in a real way, a way that only you can, there's something so meaningful about that that I think is so great about the work that you do. But there's a second part of it that I just experienced quite honestly in talking for one and a half minutes. I spoke to so many other people about their lives. When I got to share my uh, myself a tiny bit with you, um, mm. that only took me about 30 seconds to a minute. And with the context of a conversation about you, there was a social benefit. As, uh, when you get to share yourself to another person and they hear you and they're interested in you and they're curious and they're trying to help you, Maybe that's the benefit of working with someone amongst many benefits is mm. that you feel you matter. I think I that's a really interesting thought. I think there's, I mean, I agree. That's definitely uh, something that happens. And I think, you know, also with friends, there are some, you know, going to use your word depth. It doesn't mean it has to be complicated, but sometimes it's just sharing a piece of you. So I, often in coaching, you will talk about someone's dream, right? And you'll notice that people often actually don't share dreams. Like how, how many times have you asked a friend of yours, like, Hey, what's your biggest dream? Or what's one of your biggest dreams? It's this amazing connection that can happen because sharing that is something, you know, potentially also vulnerable. And we can, you know, we could spend probably all day also talking about how vulnerability helps social connection, but um, rare. And I think the same, Unfortunately, conversations about values are rare, but they are so core to our being that it feels really wonderful to share them with someone who is open to listening to them and won't, you know, say to you, you know, no, those are dumb. You should want achievement and wealth, right? Like that's going to actually have space for that. So, and also, I, I guess I want to like almost put a little disclaimer on this is like we both did this in like a minute or two minutes, but. Imagine an like, hour or five I'm making hours. A, I'm making assumptions for you, but like I have spent so many hours journaling and asking myself questions and in exchange with my own, right? Like um, professional support and all these things is like, I just want to clarify the expectation is not for everyone to be able to answer this in two minutes, right? It's like, there's a lot of work that goes into being able to answer that in like a minute or just jotting it down quickly the way you just did. Um, yeah, I didn't even end up jotting. I just started and then I realized that the sound was being was was reflecting there. You know, it's so there's a quote. I mean, I'll, I'll just share about how this is reflected in into my personal life. There's a basically we have different holidays, different Jewish holidays that are meditation amongst many things, social events, connection, um, so many things are a, a pause on a, and, a, and a reflection about a certain part of life. So for example, the holiday of Passover is about freedom and the focus on freedom and what does it mean to be enslaved um, going back from, from a historical standpoint of J Israelites in Egypt to your present day meets rhyme, which means constriction, what's holding you back. But every year we have the holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year. At that time, we are meant to reflect and look forward as to who we want to be, what we want to be, what our goals are, what are our values that's embedded in a, in a yearly cycle. Mm -hmm. But on a weekly cycle, we have something called the Sabbath, Shabbat. 
And once in every seven days, the six days are about doing, the seventh day is about being, reflection, re every Friday night when I'm turned my phone off, my computer's off, everything's away, my brain starts to process the week naturally and spin and say, how did it go? What are, my first question I ask myself, I walk home from the from the synagogue, it I'm off my phone, it's quiet, I just, it's me and myself. I say, what are my blind spots? I And then I listen, what were my blind spots? For me? What did I miss in the rush and the chaos of the week that I need to reflect on right now? So you have a, a yearly cycle of deep reflection on who you are and what you want to be. Then you have the, the weekly cycle of who you want to be. And there's a daily cycle too. There's something called a cheshbon hanefesh to account for yourself every night before you go to sleep. Now, this might be a little overwhelming for a lot of people to be doing that a lot. Um, but when you do it in a big sense and then you have review and it's organized, it's not just, you know, and people do it once a year at the New Year's. Oh, I'm going to think about this grandiose thing. And then for a year, I'm not even going to remember what I said three days later. There's got to be signposts and reminders and continuity of reflection that doesn't require a one-time thing. Um, I just want to get your reaction to that. How do you, when you're working with people, you might be working with people, let's say for a session or for five, six, seven sessions, they're making a sense of clarity. They're having their own experience. Let's call that the big picture, the yearly cycle. How do you help them continue that? What are, what are ways that we can not just reflect once, but have an ongoing relationship of depth and self-reflection? I mean, first of all, I, I think that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I didn't know that. Um, and I think that you're absolutely right. It's um, We have this idea that we can make change happen as like a one-time grand gesture thing on the 1st of January or, or any any given Monday, really. Let's, let's be honest. There's also many Mondays where the change is supposed to happen. Um, and, you know, often don't do enough of the pausing and the reflecting both on, you know, what blind spots are, like, I think that's a really great question, but also what's going well, what can I do more of to guide me further in that direction, right? So I typically work with people for at least three months. So I don't get many of these like one-off sort of um, bouts of change. And within those three months, you know, you get to know the person a lot. And I think this is something that really is, you know, unique to the person as to what works best. And, you know, maybe some people work best and like they, develop a, like a little routine like I've had people who basically develop a routine maybe with their partner where every night you know they have they say three things that went well for them today or they say three things they're grateful for or something like that like that can also be something that you know you can outsource almost to an accountability buddy you might make a routine of every Sunday night or every Friday night or exactly like whatever it is right every Monday night if you want of of you know asking yourself three questions to reflect on or of, um, you know, having your goals somewhere visible so that you're, you see them as a reminder and then having a certain routine of like pausing and saying, you know, is that still where I want to go? How would I break this down? Or you might have like, for example, I have a, a not an evening sort of daily reflection, but I have a morning daily reflection. So for me, it's often a lot more about an intention setting for the day and like that obviously takes in maybe what happened the day before is there something i want to change today is there something right um i'm not sure i'm getting lost a bit here but i think it's, it's no you're it's you're, you're talking exactly that, that for you right you so exactly embedding <laughs> it into people's regular life yeah yeah 
that that's the the perfect summary of what I what I just did a long line of detour about. <laughs> no, but it, it takes. So what I what I find is that commitment. So the number one word that I use, mm. the people I work with, is commitment. Because and and again, it's a reflection of my own, but my the practices that I take on. So the, the religious life, especially Jewish religious life, is very. Um, routinized, um, ritualized. Now there's depth. There's something called kavana, which is intention. It means di direction. And you, you take, you pray three times a day, no matter what your inspiration you have that day, you keep the Sabbath, no matter your inspiration that day, you, you, you have a rigid discipline. You mm -hmm. always hope that it's going to be filled with richness. And that's about your intentionality when you go into the ritual, but it's firm and it's set. I don't decide this week, my rest is going to be Sunday, then this week, next week's going to be Monday. That for a lot of people can be dysregulating that it's going to change. And it's going to, I mean, of course there's flexibility and everything too. That's another value flexibility, but commitment is so important in, in, in taking on practices. And these are practices, life practices that can be so beneficial. How do you help people with commitment? How do you work with commitment? How do you ensure that people actually follow through with the things, well, you can't ensure, but how do you help people ensure that they themselves will follow through with the things that matter to them? I love that you corrected yourself there because I was like, I don't help them follow through. I'm not the kind of coach who's on the sidelines. It's like, why didn't you do your sit-ups? <laughs> um, but I think it's it really comes back to when you start that sort of process of pausing and reflecting, and you are you noticing that you're maybe pulled by something deeper, then you notice that you have been out of touch with that. And I think that often, almost naturally, there comes this shift where people realize, all right, well, if I go back onto, let's say, autopilot, which is, you know, I think a term that maybe resonates with people um, to describe that of like just going through the motions, then I'll end up there again with this like not being where I want to be. And so almost naturally, it's like people understand the importance of it. And then I think from there, when you, again, thinking of like, if you have a why, then finding a commitment to that becomes easier. And I always like, I mean, you, you, you know, you referenced routines and I think routines are immensely important, but also I like to remind people of thinking of this, like, I think in many ways, mental health is still seen as this like reactive thing, mental and mental health, again, broad, right? Like also things of like, future focused mental well-being but is this reactive thing is like when I, once I hit, hit rock bottom I'm going to call a therapist rather than what like what do you do every day for your physical health like let's say you brush your teeth you probably take a shower like all these hygiene things that you do you probably like maybe eat three meals a day right like and then all right build the build similar habits and routines but for your mental health like so whether that's, you know, if you, if you, if you're disciplined enough to brush your teeth once a day or twice a day, hopefully, um, right. Like what can you do mentally once a day or twice a day that is maybe just as easy, but you just implement that as a proactive step rather than just waiting to be like, oh, I feel fine until you don't. And then you, then you do something about it. Right. So again, you don't wait for your teeth to rot before you start brushing them. It's very so contradictory. That, like, that with it, it's such a contradiction. You you had a post on this. I think it was like physical physical versus mental hygiene. 
Mm. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just funny. It's funny that, that we have those conversations. Like we don't take, we really don't take it as seriously, I guess. We don't, no. we, we, we don't take it as seriously. I Can think you, it, we've just also been taught maybe to ignore it a bit, you know? Yeah. Or like, it doesn't seem as irreversible. Like, I don't know if, if people regard it as less irreversible or, you know, people are like, oh, you can't let your teeth rot because then, you know, you don't get a second set or whatever, but like with their mind somehow. And it's true. We can be so, so resilient, right? Like there's some truth in like, we can really come back from a really low, low or multiple lows. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to have the same importance where and that's something that you know with the whole mind friend concept of like this idea that so many people are actually predominantly held back by their mind you know that have all the tools in place in theory but they can't get past that um just illustrates how important it is like you could be the healthiest like physically healthiest person in the world and still not be living a happy life you know you could be the the richest person in the world and still not have a happy life right can you, as we're finishing up here, can you share with us maybe one of the more meaningful encounters that you've had in supporting somebody, some a, a, a person that you worked with that really touched you, that it was a really meaningful experience that you feel you really made a difference? And what was it like to hear that you made that difference? Just tell us a little bit about that. Does somebody come to mind for you? Oof, that's a tough choice to be like this one. Um, but I do feel like one. One of many. How about that? One, one of many, no, of course. And, um, it, you know, it's also probably going to be a different story every day. But I think one that comes up for me spontaneously now was actually a person who was a bit older. Um, he was in his late 50s. And he, I don't know, he, he was in this mindset of everything is a battle and everything is like, like he really used like war language, right? So I don't know how to like it's a battle, everything is an obstacle, I'm fighting, I'm right, it's, it's, um, you can see it in the language of people, like how, how they regard life as this fight, um, and he was just deeply unhappy, and wasn't happy with his job, and didn't know who he was, and who he wanted to be, and had two children that he felt like he wasn't showing up for the right way, and again, in the honor of time, long story short, we did a lot of that work on like the deeper elements like values. And we actually also worked a lot with metaphors that really resonated with him. And I think the reason it impacts me or why it came to me now is because it, not only did he end up being so much happier and so much more like at peace at the end, but he then always brought it back to how he now shows up differently for his children. And I think that just goes to show something that I referenced at the start of like this idea. People often think, you know, doing the work for yourself is selfish. There's this right myth out there. And instead it's a symbol of how positively that impacts other people. And, you know, that can be your children. And for young people listening to this, they probably don't have children yet, but it could also be you impacting your parents or your friends or a stranger on the street. So just this idea that you know, of a butterfly effect, essentially, that um, always really hits me when I, um, when I witness that. And it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's really true. There's something that maybe this will tie into my, my, my last ish question here is there's something about today where we see big numbers. What is a hundred thousand people to you? Like that's, it's not normal because in human history, we never encountered or experienced that many people. 
I think people talk about this big impact they don't understand. And, and I'll just give, give a metaphor here. It's not really a metaphor, but I know people. I live in, you know, I'm in an, an Orthodox Jewish community. There are people I know that have, and I'm just talking the family sense, and I'm not trying to say that's the only way, but they have, let's say they have eight kids, okay? Mm-hmm. 10 kids, which is not totally uncommon. Those 10 kids have 10 kids. Those yeah. 10 have 10. You're already at about thousands of people in four generations who you're passing on your values and your your understanding of reality. And you may not have even, you know, have this massive following and said this thing. Impact is not to be quantified. It's not to be no, quantified. No, absolutely. I 100% agree. I, I also think that, you know, yeah, there's this big number, but I think again, social media does a weird thing to people where they end up seeing numbers rather than people. And like, I guess (laughs) to me, there is a big number, but like, I, I still gain the most out of, you know, the transformation I get to witness in working with someone or in someone sending me a message and, you know, tell like personally telling me how they've had an impact. Like it's still that one-to-one that is the most meaningful and I think also the most lasting because let's be honest how many people like how many of those hundred thousand or millions billions of people who are on social media are not actually like it would be much more impactful if you met them on the street and had a short conversation with them because they might actually be paying attention and actually listening right we're on social media so much is just so I think it's completely distorted like I think people I mean my hope would be that you know I, I always consider myself so blessed like growing up in a time where it wasn't a thing yet so I don't I feel like I sometimes can't imagine growing growing up where you only like social media was part of all of your childhood um but you know just a reminder for people like life takes place in real connection and real exchange and no number or um virtual message can ever do that justice um you know, as much as I, I mean, I've worked with clients virtually, you and I are having this conversation virtually, like we can appreciate the benefits that technology allow us. And at the same time, the deepest connections and the deepest impact, they're always just one person to the other. And sometimes, yeah, again, sometimes it's one smile that you're giving to a stranger that changes their entire day or life. And you wouldn't even know. So also like releasing yourself from this idea that you need to know about the impact to have the impact. Sometimes you just have an impact without knowing. And that can be positive or negative, but let's make it positive. <laughs> Hopefully positive. But, and, and what I really meant to say is that when you have such a, a, a following, it, there's both. You can, knowing that you're, that you have that possible impact, if even if a hundred of those people are deeply moved by a post that you made, and then that spurs them to make positive personal changes in their own life. And that goes to their old family and then generations. I mean, mm. all, all I'm saying for people listening here is that whether you have an online presence or non-online presence, and you're only connected to a small group of people, even in a, in a family, a huge, an impact can be made. And so, but if you have the blessing of a larger following too, wow, you can really do incredible things. And I think that's, um, I, I would just end off by asking you how you conceive of you know, a hundred thousand followers. And what does that like, how do you, not, how do you, not, how does it impact? Well, maybe how does it impact you? But the the last thing is like, what's it like to post something and know that thousands of people are going to see it? Is it a positive experience? Is it challenging at times? (laughs) 
Wow. Um, well, I would say in a weird way, I guess you kind of grow into it. Like I obviously didn't have this amount of followers when I started posting things. So it's like, as you, you know, maybe build a following and as you continue putting content out there, maybe at the start, yeah, it's only your mom and, you know, your mom and your sister who see it. Um, but then you kind of grow into that a, a little bit. So it's like, I don't think I post now and I think like, oh my God, so many people are going to see this um, because it's developed into that direction, I guess. Um, but what I will say is that it does feel like um, responsibility. Uh, and that can be a very positive responsibility. Like, as in like, again, like you said, there's, there's a just a recognition of you know how many people might be impacted in one way or another by seeing this but also a responsibility sometimes that feels more like i can't let people down or i can't you know stop now because that now there's all these people like expecting something of me and you kind of like get into a story maybe where you tell yourself like everybody's waiting or whatever and, and you know it again like recognizing that there's a human behind this who have a life, who has ups and downs, who has all these things, right? Like that component, I think also from a, a follower's perspective in that sense, sometimes it gets lost of like, and just an algorithm perspective of like, you know, maybe you can't show up every single day the same way, um, but it does definitely feel like there's more pressure to do so when your audience is that much larger than you know, when it's just your mom and your sister following you. And then you apply what you, everything that you, are teaching and working with and hope hope it, yeah. it helps you. So we have mind we have the mindfriend.net, we have life in business coaching, we even have um we have um strategy calls. We have cards. Right. There are cards yeah. that you can order. The cards which... are really cute. They're only digital at the moment because I just oh. I move around too much to have a a physical money. But people can print them out or use them as phone wallpapers. They're just I've just noticed so much about like these a bit like I almost want to say like unrealistic positive affirmations floating around right of this like telling someone who really doesn't like any part of themselves to just like now repeat to themselves in the mirror I love myself <laughs> every single day when, when they don't believe that at all so those cards are more filled with like validating statements that are positive but also realistic that I found to be really encouraging and helpful because they're not completely like I'm going to live my life for people. <laughs> like I'm going to live my life, even if I don't feel I love myself right now or, or. Well, or like, I mean, I don't think there's any about actually loving yourself. Oh, okay. It's more so, you know, people maybe let's say you get really stuck in a choice, like you beat yourself up over a choice you made. Right. So then the validating statement is you made the best choice with what you knew back then. Right. For example. And it's not so, so much all the choices are leading you to like this magical place necessarily, but more so you made the best choice of what you knew. Like there's a, I guess maybe that illustrates a bit of the nuance, but, um, but yeah. Amazing. So uh, we'll end this with, again, a shared value of mine, gratitude. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I personally, gratitude work is, is probably, I hope for many people, a starting point of positive mental health. It's a power. It's actually a service. So in, in first of all, the name Jew, Yehudi means I will give thanks. That's, Really, we have, we're supposed to make a hundred blessings a day. We have before foods, before mm -hmm. seeing things, before, I mean, the amount of 
recognition of of basic basic things that you have body parts etc to you know before eating a food after eating a food there's a there's a lot of gratitude practice embedded that we that we do but we look at it as a service so it's not just this extra thing that oh we should do that because it'll be even make life even better it's it's called an avoda it's work uh it's 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 being grateful is not lovey-dovey and if i don't and then people do these gratitude journals for a day and then it doesn't last this it takes a lot of work to truly appreciate life absolutely i completely agree because i mean so many people also go like but i have nothing to be grateful for like i mean a you're alive you have a functioning body you probably had some meals today you might have a roof over your head right like it's like I guess there's a confusion of like gratitude means this really amazing thing happened to me today. And thus I'm grateful. No, there are so many things that are grateful there that we can be grateful for um, that are so much smaller. And so that sounds like a really absolutely um, nice application of that. First thing in the morning. And and I recommend this to people in their own way. The first words that we're supposed to utter is modani. I'm grateful that before we even do anything, we we and you're supposed to kind of do it with this like a lion, the metaphor is because you know that the beginning of that day is when you're the most for some people, like, oh my gosh, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed. You start mm-hmm. that day out with an energy of like, I, I'm gonna have a good day. I'm thankful. Thank God I'm alive today. And today is gonna be a new day. And thank you so much for speaking to us about all the topics that we got to today. I know that there's so many more that we could have gone on to, but we're just appreciative for your time. Uh, it's such thank you for, you know, reaching out and asking me to be here. It's been a pleasure. Uh, really, and thank you for sharing your own insights and um, and fighting me on, on integrating positive psychology where I didn't mean to start a fight. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. And of course, a disclaimer. This podcast and all of our mental health learning and educational content is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Go to www.resolve with two vs.ca to get the support you need. And that's all for now. We hope this was helpful in some small way. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Make sure to keep updated with all of our content on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, come check us out at www.resolve, that's resolve with two v's, dot ca, to learn more about how our services can support your needs. Till next next time, time, take take care. care. Theme song for this podcast is done by the band Mokuse, no Maguro in their song Midnight Empty Street. <laughs>